BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I did the same thing last time. The 30-second countdown, I need the five-minute countdown to remind so that I have enough time to share the video on all the different platforms. <laughs> but it's all right. We're live. We're good. It's Birdland tonight, uh, off-season edition, spring training edition, whatever you want to call it, preseason edition. Let's go with that. So make sure that since I didn't get around to it while you're watching, press the share button on whatever site you're watching. Tell your friends. Subscribe, hit the notification so you know when we go live since it's random uh, during this preseason until we get up to the game. Obviously, Birdland Tonight is your post-game show. It's going to be on after every Oriole game this season for 30 minutes at least. So check out Birdland Tonight, Birdland Sports on all your social media and video streaming platforms. All right, joining me today, I've got Andrew, Joe, Paul, and Jimmy. We'll get all the plugs in at the end. Because I just want to jump straight into spring training. Um, we've now seen, we've got a week of pitchers and catchers. We've got a few days, three days of position players. How weird is this spring training compared to any other spring training? With the limited coverage, Zoom interviews, it's just a weird spring training. Can you really still get hyped up for baseball if you're not like one of us baseball nerds that's really into it? How's the what's the tone in Baltimore right now for baseball season? I I know for me, um, it's been a little bit more difficult to get as excited this spring because usually you're used to seeing all of these videos and all these interviews and um, people down at spring training. All these reporters are covering spring training from a remote location. They're all in Baltimore. Um, still don't know if we're gonna have spring training games, which is like you can look at the calendar and say, oh, there's a game this day, this day, this day, and this day, and get prepared for that. But we have no idea. Looks like we're not going to get any games. And it's just it's been totally weird and just totally different for me. I'm excited because I know baseball is coming, but not where I have been in years past. All right. Uh, Joe, how's it for you and other people you're talking to? You feel on baseball season yet? Uh, Paul's able to put it a lot more uh, politically uh, correct than I could. I, I cannot, I, I cannot feel it with the lack of of coverage and uh, as far as 
accessibility and what's going on right now, it's just, it's hard. I mean, just, you know, you get, you get snippets, you read things where you can find them, but it's, I don't know, it's tough. It's tough to, to get, get that, that excitement going right now. Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy, any excitement for you? I mean, we have no clue. I guess we've been told Masson's not going to cover any of the Oriole games. Do we know if there's not going to be any on the radio or any on the streaming apps? I assume other teams will get to get listen to some visitor broadcasts. But have we heard anything about what the Orioles are doing? Yeah, I'm assuming that the other teams are you're going to be able to go ahead and get them through there. But uh, <clears throat> as far as Baltimore, we've got nothing. Uh, you know, as Paul and Joe said, it's just it's real difficult to go ahead and get excited for the season because. You know, I mentioned to Matt the other day, I said, you know, spring spring training games start next week. It's like, they do? You know, we, yeah, we, we don't even exactly. realize it. <clears throat> We're getting as, essentially what they're feeding us, um, and it's very difficult to go ahead and make up your own uh, decisions or your own thoughts on what's going on because you're only going off what's being fed to you. Yeah, and what's being fed to us is even more limited. Andrew, what's been your source to excite you for baseball season right now? Well, I'm out here in Arizona, as many people know, and I, you know, just from reading some of the local stuff with with the teams out here, tickets are going like crazy. Teams are selling out the limited capacity that they're allowing for for the stadiums out here. So, I think that we're feeling kind of the feelings that we're feeling collectively that we're not able to really get ramped up because games haven't started. And I think when we talk again next week and the week after that, I think we'll all feel a little bit differently once we actually are able to see some games, even if they're not all Orioles games, once we're able to flip on MLB network or maybe even ESPN here and there and catch a spring training game or, you know, a few innings here and there. Um, once those things start to happen, that's when we all tend to really realize that, Oh my goodness, the season is here. Yeah, totally. And I, I will say I have a little advantage being in Florida that I am what excites me is that I have on my whiteboard behind me marked February 25th for, because I get to go to the Orioles game for that first spring training game. So I'm excited that I'll get to see some baseball in person. But I can't imagine, like, and I look at all the other things, and the fact that spring training games are less than a week away and we have no clue if the Orioles are going to even, like, send a reporter. Like, Rock is still, like, in his apartment doing Zoom calls. Yeah, he's not uh, going down. Like, there's right. a lot of people that are not going to be going down. Like in the past, we've had Steve Molesky doing the calls on Masson. Has they meant? Have they mentioned it or not on Masson, but on the MLB app? Is he going? Is the Sun sending anyone down, or is this a weird off season without reporters? It's just weird. Uh, Cody, what are you hearing? Anything? And how's this been for you? No, it, it's been difficult. And, and trying to think back even last year during the uh, – obviously we saw plenty of, of spring training before the pandemic really hit. And then they took that pause and everybody was was off. But even when they came back, of course, they were all at their own stadiums. But I felt like we still had some visual with some of the intra-squad games. We saw a little bit more of what was going on. I'm I'm starving for content. It's, it's you know, you, we get these little clips from the – the Orioles Twitter account. But other than that, we have no idea. I saw a few pictures. I saw one picture or a screen grab maybe that somebody had of uh, a chunky Chris Davis. I got excited about that. But yeah, what, what is, you know, 
what's going on? We, we just, you know, there's the Zoom calls with Brandon Hyde, but but I don't know. Um, I did read or I did listen to Buster Only's podcast today where he was on with the broadcaster for the Philadelphia Phillies. They mentioned that they'll be broadcasting games uh, remote. So, you know, the announcing the announcers will be back in Philadelphia, but they're at least going to be broadcasting games. So some right. teams are doing it that way. But you know what? You can't broadcast the games remotely if you're not having a camera crew down there to videotape it. So, uh, and it's really weird. And you're right. With the only source really for pictures and video being the Orioles' official Twitter, they're doing a fine job. And they did like a thing with just sounds of baseball over the weekend that I enjoyed. I thought it was very good. But it's a really weird offseason. And... This is when we should be getting excited because down in Sarasota, it's where these young guys are that we're supposed to be getting excited for. And you're not seeing any of that. And the Zoom, even the Zoom interviews. Paul, have you watched any of the Zoom interviews? They're just awkward. I, I've I've seen a couple snippets here and there. But again, it all comes down to the excitement for baseball. Um, I'm not in that mode, you know, where I'm, where I'm watching Felix Hernandez talk about whether or not He's going to be able to pitch effectively this year. Matt Harvey talking about what he did up in New Jersey. I'm not there yet. You know, I, I don't want to talk about it until I can see it for myself. And, you know, Cody, I like how he said starved for content. You know, Rock, when when spring training starts, you see Rock post six, seven times a day. He's posted six, seven times since the since spring training started. You get maybe one or two a day from him, and it's it's just so difficult to get into the mindset where, yeah, because of what I do on my, on my show on Saturdays, I'm paying attention, but not as in-depth as I have in the past. It's just hard to get that switch turned. You know, Paul, it's interesting. You mentioned the Matt Harvey thing. I mean, we are still kind of getting some, some interesting tidbits from these interviews that are being done. I, Matt Harvey mentioned this week that part of the reason that he was, um, you know, drawn to come to the Orioles at this stage in his career is because of a lot of their new data-driven work that they're doing with pitchers. And I thought that was really interesting. And, it, it, you know, obviously the Orioles would like to be attracting other pitchers, you know, aside from Matt Harvey at this stage in his career. But hearing something like that from a veteran guy who is buying into the data and the metrics and and buying into something that the Orioles are, are finally getting on board with, um, and with their technology, I think is really cool and important for to to for, to, for that thing kind of thing to get out and for other people to hear about it. Well, yeah, absolutely. I one hundred percent agree with you. I like that he said that everything that he learned up in New Jersey is what the Orioles are doing. That's why he decided he wanted to come here. And it, it, what the Orioles are doing, it's clearly working. You saw how many pitchers last year take that step forward. You saw Tanner Scott finally realize some of that potential and Paul Fry have a much better year. Same, same thing with Sean Armstrong. All these guys who looked so bad in 2019 look so much better in 2020. So you know that what they're doing is working. It's just a matter of can it work for these other guys? Can Matt Harvey, who was still touching mid to upper 90s with his fastball, can he get that rising action back? They said that he developed a pitch that he didn't even know he had where he has a lot of a lot of sink on one of his fastballs that he didn't even know he was able to throw and he gets 19 inches of drop on it. You know, and again, that's stuff that until I actually see it in a game, I'm just reading words on a on a computer screen at this point. I want to see it for real. And maybe maybe I've been burned too many times by the Orioles. Yeah. But I hear stuff like that. And my assumption is simply, yeah, I know that we have all these like metrics and analytics now, but doesn't every other team? Yeah. <laughs> like, 
Like, who, it's like who the internet. It's like the international market. You know, every other team was doing that until the Orioles right. were. But, but it's at least good that we are, you know, getting with the right. times. Yeah, but when Matt Harvey praises the Orioles, I mean, okay, so we had the analytics, but we probably also had the offer. He probably didn't have a whole lot of offers, and. <laughs> I, I think there's an offer and there's an opportunity for him to play in Baltimore. We don't and, have an established rotation. We have well, there's a guy. lot of opportunity in Baltimore. There's a lot of there's open plenty. places. Yeah, there's plenty. That's why King Felix came here as well. There's an open opportunity in Baltimore. Veterans can come here. If you prove your one thing is if you're a pitcher and you come to Baltimore and you prove that you can still pitch, it's an open market for you because you're going up against some of the best in the AL East. <laughs> And I think that's part of the challenge with the lack of excitement is that you've just got this culmination of of, of bad events, right? With re- plummeting payroll, obviously, we're in the rebuild mode. We know that. Um, then stories come out about uh, asking uh, to defer salaries for Trey Mancini, um, yeah, you know, look, and Santander. Um, then Masson cuts everyone, you know, all these guys that have been on the the face of the Orioles for such a long time, um, you know, and as a fan from, from a fan perspective, that's tough. You, you know, you, you can, you can sell everyone on a rebuild, um, right. but then you add in these other layers to things. And it's just like another one, another one, another one. And then you don't get the coverage for spring training. And it's like, you know, what, what can you do? What can you hold on to? It's, 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 it's just the perfect storm of, of bad events in, in that regard. Right. And I do feel like uh, I know Baltimore hasn't announced yet whether or not they'll have fans in the stands. Florida were like 25 percent. So for uh, at Ed Smith on Sunday, there'll be 1800 fans. So we're talking small crowds, which is why you're also seeing the excitement and these tickets selling out for spring training is because it's a quarter filled. So that's that's helping and not showing excitement. But that's for the baseball diehards. You can, you can fill a quarter of your stadium with those baseball diehards. It'll be interesting to see how Camden Yards does when you open up a much bigger stadium to something like that. And if people are excited or if you're going to have people be like, oh, I didn't realize it was baseball season. So, I don't know. Um, obviously, pitching is going to be – pitching is the story in Sarasota. It's going to be the story all season. The Orioles are really trying to push a couple more narratives, and I – got to say the Orioles because it's really not much coverage outside of official Orioles sources and it really seems like they're really trying to push the Trey Mancini narrative because that's a good story no matter how bad this team is we have Trey Mancini coming back how much of the hype of Trey Mancini is going to make him an Oriole for life versus get his name out there as possible trade candidate this season Anyone so I think it's going to be a trade candidate right off the bat. Um, it's going to be a midseason trade. Say we'll get a few games with Trey in there. Uh, let Oriole fans appreciate everything that he's done for us and appreciate him as an Oriole. And, uh, you know, right before the trade deadline, I don't know where it's going to be, but it's going to be to a contender, no doubt. And who are we to go ahead and block that as fans wanting him to just be a lifetime Oriole? If you really look at what he's contributed as a player, um, he's been a good player, but not really a great player. You know, he he hasn't been around long enough of where you get the same feeling about him as you do of, let's say, like Adam Jones. 
you know, and it's like, it's great that he's coming back. I wish him nothing but the best, and I would love to see him as a Lifetime Oriole, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, Lifetime Oriole, I don't know that that's going to be the case. There were rumors on 105.7 this past week um, from Jason Lock and Forrest, so take from that what you will, but um, there were rumors that the Orioles might be engaging in extension talks with Trey Mancini. So I, I can very realistically see him being a trade candidate, but can also I can also see the Orioles saying, hey, look, you're the face of our franchise. You were a 30-30 guy two years ago, and we want you to be here in two years when we're playing competitive baseball again. So I can see it from both from both standpoints. Sure. Uh, ultimately, I think that, you know, last week I was saying Trey Mancini could be traded, and this week I'm saying I think he's going to be here all year, and I'm I'm thinking he's pro- he's probably going to get a three, maybe four-year extension. But, you know, next week I could be changing my tune again. I just feel like he's the face of the franchise right now, and I feel like, the Orioles know that, and they want to do what they can to keep him here and keep fans happy because there's not much else right now for fans to be happy about. Yeah, if you get rid of Trey Mancini, the face of the organization becomes the mascot, and you have no <laughs> you have no player face <laughs> of the organization. But with Trey, you mentioned the idea of a long-term contract. Clearly, now would be the time to do it. I mean, you come off missing a year with cancer and a lot of questions on what you have left in the tank, what you can come back at. So financially, it makes sense for the Orioles to lock him up long-term now. But if you're Trey Mancini, how much are you soured by dealing with contracts in the Orioles because of them trying to defer money two months ago? I think if you're Trey Mancini right now, you're not thinking about any of that stuff. You're thinking about staying healthy, being healthy, being on the field after the year from hell that he's just gone through. And – not to completely dismiss the the conversation that we're having here, but I frankly think that that should be the narrative too. Like that, it's a really great, cool story that this guy beat cancer and is is back healthy on the field doing what he loves. Um, I, look, trade conversation surrounding him or contract extension talk surrounding him—that's something that will happen um, down the road. But I don't think it's gonna. Ha- I don't think it's something that you're gonna hear. You might hear a little bit of it come trade deadline, midseason. But that's there's a lot of bridges that he still needs to cross in yes. order for that to be, you know, even a viable conversation. If he's having, you know, just a a bang up year and really killing the ball and and playing really well, yeah, that's a conversation that'll happen. But he, you know, the the year off is more than likely going to take its toll. He's going to need time to get his rhythm back get back into playing shape. So I think the, those are all conversations that the Orioles don't need to worry about, that Trey Mancini doesn't need to worry about. And I'm certainly not worrying about them whatsoever. I'm just really grateful that he's back and healthy more than anything. So where are then, Joe, where are these conversations coming from? Is it coming from the Orioles constantly dumping salary this year, or is it coming from we have a really crowded outfield with prospects? I mean, what's Trey's salary this year? I think it's close to $5 million. Um Something like that, 4.75. So, I mean, it's it's the way that they've been moving money. It's hard to think that, you know, some of that doesn't come from that piece. Um, But I think Andrew kind of makes a great point in that it's one of those things that's going to take care of itself in the sense that you don't even know what Trey's going to look like this year. You know, he's he's not he's he's 20, 29, I think, this year. missing a year off of, you know, battling cancer. So 
the, the expectation is high, but it's like what you said, Josh, because he is the de facto face of the franchise. So of course he's Trey Mancini. He's going to come out and, and, and be that guy. But, you know, perhaps we do need to pump the brakes on that and kind of just see, see how it goes for him this year. And it, it could take care of itself in, in that regard. If, if he doesn't perform and, and if he does, it'll be a good problem for the Orioles to figure out, I guess, whether to extend him or trade him. Right. If he performs well, it's not a bad thing. Right. But you're right. We got to go into this with the fact that he had a year off and not expect him to be a superstar, all-star candidate when, when he also hasn't even, he hasn't even proven to be an all-star up until this point. And now he's suddenly he's the face of the franchise simply because no one's left. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, let's let's be realistic. He was an all star. He was an all star player in 2019. He had 35 homers, 38 doubles, almost drove in 100, hit close to 300. That's an all star player. He just played for the worst team, one of the worst teams in baseball. Yeah, um, but the worst team in baseball still gets someone to the all star game. Right, and it and it was John Means, and it it should have been Trey. Uh, Trey's put up all star caliber numbers in two of his three full seasons. In the one year, he happened to just really hurt his knee in April and didn't get right till July. Um, Trey's one of those guys. I, I have no doubts he's going to come back and he's going to put up similar numbers to what he did in 2019. I think that's the players. Now, they they have deadened the ball this year, so you might not see 35 home runs. You might see 25. But he's still – I look at Trey Mancini. I look at a guy who I think is just a professional hitter, uh, and he gets that barrel to the ball more often than not. He's a guy who I think is going to come back and we're all going to be like – that's the Trey Mancini that we remember. Yeah. Well, I feel like Trey Mancini is the face of the organization here in Baltimore. Outside of Baltimore, I don't think people recognize Trey Mancini as the face of the Orioles. Oh, it's Adley Rushman right now. It's not Adley Rushman either outside of the organization. Adley Rushman's going to yeah, start is. in Dewey. No, outside of the organization, it's number 19. It's Chris Davis. It's true. We're all tired of. But outside of the organization, if you see anything about the Orioles, it's Chris Davis that they're showing. So are you tired of the Chris Davis story yet? Obviously, we made all the jokes going into spring training that Chris Davis had a great spring training last year. But we all know how that season went. He said that I believe his excuse was that he overworked because of the COVID year. What are you expecting from Chris Davis, the true face of the organization? Cody, in, a, in, in, in a word, nothing. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I know Cody is uh, a Chris Davis apologist. I, I, I think that it's fair to have to have low expectations for Chris, but but you know, I think that he was on to something. Um, I think what's going to be interesting is, is something that you brought up earlier. Or, I'm not sure if it was you, Josh, or somebody brought up about how the baseball is different this year. Uh, and so I think it's going to be interesting how all the different players respond and, and somebody like Chris is going to respond as well. I actually think Chris was on to something, uh, you know, this time last year for spring training. I mean, you can't deny how well he played. Uh, you know, he came in a very different person. He came in looking like, you know, I, I made the analogy before, like the, the old home run hitters. You know, the Mark McGuire's, uh, you know, the, the Tony Gwynn, the, the guys that were back in the steroid age. Right, the that were Huge, right. Uh, that's the kind of player, and that's what he used to be. And he talked about that in one of the interviews he did about two years ago about how he tried to change his body. He didn't want to be the, the big, thick guy. He wanted to be more lean, kind of these, 
you know, real cut bodies. And that's when he really saw his performance decline. And I think he decided, you know what, I'm going to go back to just being this giant guy and just, you know, hit the crap out of it. And we saw it in spring training. Something happened because we didn't see it during the, the, the short and truncated, you know, 2020 60 game season. So I'm, I want to see, I want to see what happens in this spring training. Does he have a little bit of that magic left in him? I, I think that he might have something there. He showed a spark last year. Otherwise I, I'd be with everybody else and I'd be writing him off. Yeah. And he did like, he did put on weight this off season. You meant one of you mentioned that grainy picture of Chris Davis, where he looks like the big guy on your softball team. He's got the extra weight on. Uh, Joe, Chris Davis, it, does he finish the team with season with the team? Is he become a bench player? What goes on with Chris Davis? Is he blocking someone? I, I mean, I think no, no matter what most of us kind of thought should happen or would happen, he's finishing his contract with the team. I mean, I, if it hasn't happened yet, it's not going to happen to where they release him. Um, uh, bench, I'm sure he'll find his way to the bench. Um, maybe with the dead ball, as Paul said, though, his 11 home runs won't seem as bad if everyone else is only hitting 22. <laughs> right. The dead and ball, that seems like something that would hurt Chris Davis, not help Chris Davis. If you want to help Chris Davis, I really think ban the shift. I think the shift really <laughs> the ended shift. up hurting Chris Davis. And I think that's part of what killed him as a player. I, I wrote a piece a couple of years ago at Utah Street Report kind of defending the Chris Davis contract. And it got a lot of pushback because this was in the moment a couple of years after where it really seemed like it was turning. And I didn't defend it in the sense of it's OK, Chris Davis is going to turn it around or it's OK to be paying Chris Davis this much money for this type of production. I defended it in the sense that the Orioles, it was the first time that they had gone out and done this with a player to try to keep a player in Baltimore and, 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 you know, make their mark. And that was something that fans were clamoring for. They simply did it with the wrong guy. They, they, they got it wrong and, and, and they can be excused for, you know, for, for, for messing that up um, in a sense, because they at least were doing the thing that everyone was clamoring for. They just, it, they should have given the money to a guy like Manny Machado instead. And, and, you know, in hindsight, it's easy to look back and say, okay, they made the wrong move in giving the money to this guy instead of that guy. But in the, in, in, in that moment, at least they made that initiative and paid a guy that they wanted to keep around who was, and, as, as Josh said, still is kind of the face of this franchise. It's just one of those things that, you know, they, they, they could have gone behind door, door number one or door number two, and they chose the wrong door. Well, you look at a guy who has 126 home runs over a three-year span. He led the majors in home runs two times in three years. At the moment, the contract was right. Now, you can talk about the Orioles bidding against themselves. They were the only one in the Chris Davis market in 2016. And yeah, that money should have gone to Manny Machado at the time. Uh, and you had no idea that 160 and 11 home runs was coming from this guy. He, even that first year, he had 38 home runs. To me now, Chris Davis may be the face of the franchise considering how low they are and how he's the worst player on the, arguably the worst team in baseball. But I have to disagree with Cody when it comes to Chris Davis. He's done. I'm I'm tired. I'm 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 tired of 
the storylines, oh, is Chris Davis back? He's not back. Chris Davis is not back. We thought he was back the last three years, and he's going to come out, and he's going to hit 160. He's going to have no power, and he's going to strike out two out of every three plate appearances on fastballs right down the middle of the plate. I'm done with the Chris Davis storyline, and I disagree with Joe. I think that he's gone before the end of this year. I don't think he sees 2021. Because, I mean, not 2021, 2022, because I think the Orioles are planning on playing better baseball and putting emphasis back on winning that year. And Chris Davis has no, he has no part on the team this year. They just wanted to see, they wanted to keep him in case it was a shortened season so he could get a little bit of relief. Now that it's 162 games, he doesn't see the end of this year. I hope you're right, Paul. Well, I think we all hope you're wrong and that Chris Davis has a great year. Well, but, uh, but I also think that I'm with you that you had to, for the team, the way that things were going, and for Chris Davis, no one we can we argued back then whether or not he was worth the money. None of us predicted that he was going to fall off the map like he did. Right. And I want and I really have to wonder and see the type of deals that are being made, especially this year and last year on the West Coast, and think to myself, if the Chris Davis deal worked out, I think the Orioles might have opened up the the checkbook again for a guy like Manny Machado or something. I think the fact that one failed made it hesitant for another and made it if you have one if you have Chris if you have the old Chris Davis still going now you're building that team around that player when your team and, falls apart like that there's no point in investing into that team and, and I'm with Andrew I mean at, at the time I was ecstatic that they gave him the money cuz that that was wasn't that the off season that Duquette was being courted by Toronto that they ended up giving no, that Davis was, that was no, 2 that years was prior but that's a whole different that, conversation. That's a whole different conversation. Time. Yeah. But you're coming off of a year where they didn't sign a number of guys and Chris Davis had another great year. So, yeah, I mean, it, I was excited about it too. The problem for the Orioles is they can't miss with, you know, with payroll limitations team like the Yankees or Red Sox, they miss. It's like, ah, okay, we'll dump this guy and go get someone else. And the Orioles. We've seen, and that's, I think that's part of why they invested in Chris Davis because the Orioles have a horrible track record of bringing free agents into Baltimore. It doesn't work out for, Paul, for big name, big money free agents. So they Paul, had a guy. Do you really think he's going to hit 160? <laughs> uh, yeah, considering he hit below 100 last year. Uh, no, that, that's just what he seems to do every year, but he might not get enough at bats. I, I have no idea. I'd be right, sad if he hit 160. Let's move on to another guy in camp who – uh, we, we're talking about a lot of young guys, and there's a lot of young guys we're focusing on. None of us are looking at this young guy, and he got an invite to, to spring training. Ryan Ripken. <laughs> it, did he get the invite? Is this Tim Tebow treatment? Is he getting the invite because of his name, or is there something there? He did say he worked out with his dad more this offseason than he ever did. But I don't know if that means Cal's a bad dad or if he's actually getting to be a better player. I haven't figured that one out yet. So, and I'll just leave it at that and let you guys decide which one. Uh, Ryan Ripken, he's getting the attention because of the name. Is Ryan Ripken a baseball player? No. No. Ryan Ripken, I mean, he's a baseball player in the sense that he plays baseball. Right. But... A minor league player is still a professional <laughs> baseball player. Yeah. Ryan Will he make it onto a major league roster? He's 27. He's just got promoted to double A. He's never hit his weight until last year. Uh, Ryan Ripken's on the team because he's Ryan Ripken. 
any other player with his with his stat line with his numbers is not part of this organization. Preston Palmero was a better player and he got cut loose last year. Ryan Ripken is in this organization because of his father, not because of his talent. He's there for that picture that we saw. Where did where was it? It was somewhere. I don't know. It was on Madison or Baltimore Sun or something. But you can see his dad and and even some Billy Ripken in the picture too. He's like in the batting cage or something. That's that's why he's there. Exactly. I like the idea of put Ryan in the organization so Cal sticks around. Some bait. Right. Well, where's Cal going? To that. <laughs> uh, well, years ago there was talk about the Nationals courting him. Uh, I don't know. I think Cal has kind of stepped out of the limelight. You don't see him. Billy's all over it. Uh, Except for when he was floating as a head the other day. Then then he was in the limelight. <laughs> right, but that wasn't for Orioles. That was more no. like No, but Cal's, but Cal's never really been a limelight guy. No. I mean, he was, he, you know, even even during his career, he got attention because of, 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 you know, he was a great player, obviously, but he got attention because of, going to work every day and, and, and doing it for so long, he was never a guy that was, you know, wanting the attention and, and, and that flashy. So I, you know, the Ryan Ripken thing to me is, is like, I, I'm not even upset about it. It's fine. It's like, it's not like he's taking somebody else's place, um, you know, among spring training invites. It's not like there's someone else that they need to look at. So right. it, it doesn't really rub me the wrong way at all. Sure. Doesn't, when- doesn't Cal Ripken own the, one of the, one of the minor league teams, or not the team, the stadium. Um, he is somehow involved with the Ironbirds. Okay, yes. all right. I was trying to remember which team got cut and whether or not that affected him or not. No, no I don't Fre- know if there's ownership, but I know he's involved up there. Yeah, Frederick got cut, and the Ironbirds are now the high A team right. for the Orioles. Um, which is probably where Ryan will play. Well, he got promoted to Double A last year, hit like okay. two seventy five. Right. So. Look, if, if Ryan Ripken can do, I don't, I, I don't begrudge the guy. If, if I hope he goes back to Double A and hits two seventy five again and gets a promotion, uh, and I think that it's good for the Orioles if Ryan Ripken somehow finds his way to the major league roster. I just don't see it happening because up until last year, he was he's been mediocre best. All right. Well, right now Ryan Ripken is at the same level of baseball as Adley Rushman. Who you named the face of the organization? Josh, let's, 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 let's be let's be realistic though. Adley no. Rutschman is the face of the organization. He's number one overall pick. He's no, no, number two uh, prospect in all of baseball. Greg Amzinger was calling for him to be the Orioles' opening day catcher last year. Well, yeah, Adley Rutschman, and he's on the cover of how no. face of the franchise, whether we like it or not, he is. He's. He's not the face. I'll argue that one because he's not the face of the franchise. He should be the starting. He's better than any catcher we have in our organization. I'll give you that. But if you ask someone in St. Louis to name an Oriole, they're not going to name Adley Rushman. I I think you're both right in the sense. I think you're both right in the sense that locally in Baltimore, he is the face of the franchise, like what Paul's saying, but nationally, you know, yes. people people who casually, more casually follow baseball won't know Adley Rushman's name because he hasn't played a major league game yet. Yeah, right. It's, for, a, it's a fair point. We keep using the we keep using the word face of the franchise, and, and Trey Mancini has, has been talked about that a, a, a lot. It, it, are we just all assuming that Trey Mancini is the uh, the leader in the clubhouse? Do we do we have any definitive idea who the leader in the clubhouse really is? Who was it last year? Since Trey wasn't there, who is it now? Is it Trey? I think it's I him by it's, default. I believe it's Brandon Hyde. 
I, you know, that I was going to say the same thing, Josh, and that's that's an interesting one to me, too. I've been thinking a lot more about Brandon Hyde in the last few weeks because, you know, compared to the last manager that was in Baltimore, no one really knows anything about Brandon Hyde. No, and and uh, you can't. Well, uh, you, when you when you come behind Buck, you're going to be born. Well, I, I think there's there's that to an extent. There's also, you know, uh, Press Box did a did a feature on Brandon Hyde and their issue this month. And I, I didn't know previous to this that he had not moved out of Chicago uh, since since leaving the Cubs. But this offseason moved his regular home down down to Florida, down to Sarasota. It, it seems like that might have been this moment for him where this this thing got real. I mean, obviously, like first season got his feet wet. Second season was overturned completely on its head by a pandemic um, and a shortened season. It feels like, you know, Brandon Hyde, you know, I don't, I don't know that he's boring. I just know that I just don't think that Oriole fans have been able to get as close to him, both in a, a physical, but also whether it is, you know, I don't know, emotional or, or maybe spiritual way than they were to Buck Showalter. It's also hard following a guy like Buck Showalter. Right. So I'm really interested to see kind of see and hear more from Brandon Hyde this season and get to know him a little more as the guy, maybe not as the quote unquote face of the franchise, but you know, as, as that leader and as that guy that, that the players are turning to, especially with such a young roster. Yeah, I agree. I think I saw Brandon Hyde come in as a placeholder and a guy who was going to be here and given a shot because this team sucks, but I've been impressed with the way Brandon Hyde has handled the team and little things like like the little run-in with him and Chris Davis. You want that as a manager. You want the manager to not be afraid of your players, and especially the stars that are making a lot of money. So I've been impressed with Brandon Hyde and how, and how he used the bullpen as well. So I really like Brandon Hyde, and I suddenly find myself, yeah, like you, wanting to know more about Brandon Hyde and see him as a guy who we talk about the players – turning this organization around, and in a few years, the players being to a point to win. I think Brandon Hyde might be doing that same thing where he's building up, and then when he's re- – he, just like the players working out their kinks, he's working out his kinks to be able to stick around when his team is winning. I don't think he necessarily goes away and it says, all right, we're ready to win. Let's bring in a real manager. And I think that's something that he's fully aware of too. Like he's he's aware that he may not be around when this thing turns right. around, but he's 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 trying to to get it turned around, which I think is admirable. And I think that's part of the move from Chicago to Sarasota. I think it's it's that hesitancy. And I don't know if he had a conversation that convinced them or if he decided he has an opportunity here or something to make that move. All right. Um any other stories that we need to cover tonight? We went a little longer than we normally do uh, for a season without much going on and without much coverage. Anything else we should talk about? I don't have too much of a story, but uh, I think this is a really important spring for DJ Stewart. And I thought that last year was an important spring. He got off to that super slow start, something like over 17 with 10 strikeouts, but also nine walks. But the Orioles don't really have a true number two hitter or a true DH. It's going to be kind of a merry-go-round with who's going to be the DH this year. DJ Stewart can go a long way to improving this ball club if he can be the hitter that we saw maybe this when he came back up the second time. Uh, he has the on-base capabilities. He has sneaky speed. That's a big-time player that nobody's talking about right now that could potentially help this ball club if he produces the way he should at this point in his career. 
saying I constantly joke about DJ Stewart and uh, say they, you know, again, one of the few pictures that they leaked uh, today on Instagram was of DJ Stewart. And we can't make the joke about big fat DJ Stewart anymore. Uh, he looked, don't get me wrong. He, he looks a little thicker than everybody else, but we can't make the big fat DJ Stewart. He looks like he, he did some workout in the off season. And he looks like he's ready to roll this season. I mean, I've always thought DJ Stewart looked like he was ready to roll, but okay. <laughs> um, all right, Barry Crane's wondering about third base. Do we just go right into the season with Ruiz? Who wants to take that? Joe, you're up. I'd say yes, right? It has to be Ruiz. I mean, especially starting the season. I don't – what's – right now, is, as you look at – the potential roster who's who's the alternative there at third um to me it's ruiz Matt, any chance mount castle gets moved back to third mount castle's going to be playing but not at third um jimmy was talking about or maybe it wasn't jimmy but the dh or how's going to be you know moving around at dh and stuff certainly mount castle right i mean he's he's probably our best person the, that could fill that role if, if you can't find a spot playing defense somewhere. But um, but no, I don't see Mount Castle at third. All right. Well, let's close out Birdland tonight right there. Um, I'm thinking we'll go live again on Sunday night because I would think we, we'll at least get stat lines from this game on Sunday, I think. <laughs> so we can we can have our little analysis about based on who got to play in the first game. Um all right, let's do some plugs for our shows. Andrew, what's going on over at Utah Street Report? And I know you're doing some guest hosting tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. UtahStreetReport.com uh, is where you can find my work. I wrote a piece last week uh, that you can check out there. Uh, you can follow me at Astetka on Twitter. And I will be uh, joining Glenn Clark uh, tomorrow on Glenn Clark Radio to uh, promote what we're doing here and, and talk with him about pretty much whatever he wants. But I'm sure he's going to be talking a lot of Orioles yeah. uh, tomorrow on the show. Of course, there's also lots of – it's a weird week for Baltimore sports because there's lots of disgruntled Ravens to discuss as well. Yeah, and, and there's also a lot of local college basketball and things like that going sure. on. So we'll be, we'll be chatting about plenty of that stuff, but uh, we'll, we'll certainly squeeze in some Orioles uh, on that as well. So that's uh, 10, to, 10 to noon tomorrow uh, on PressBoxOnline.com. All right, and Joe, what's going on with you? I don't have anything to plug except those Birdland Tonight hats. When are they going to be available for the uh... – Oh, they're up now. Purchase. They're up now on BirdlandTonight.com. I love the hat. I've been wearing yeah, it. I it got the good. sample hat on. It turned out really nice. I got some sample shirts in, and they did not look so good, so I scrapped them. And there's new shirts up there now, but I'm not plugging them yet because I haven't gotten the new samples in yet. That, that's but, what I'd like to plug tonight. I'm going to get one of those for myself for the next show. Uh, well, they're up there. It's all cool. Uh, it's nice and embroidered. I really like the hats. Turned out great. Jimmy, how about Bleacher Birds? So uh, Bleacher Birds, we just posted our latest pod, uh, latest episode today. Uh, Backflips and Batflips was originally going to be burning down the house. But uh, after seeing uh, <clears throat> seeing the young man that was doing some backflips, uh, refresh my memory, I can't remember his name. But uh, that inspired us to talk to talk about him for a good solid 20, 25 minutes. Yeah, the the uh, the pitcher. I'm blanking on his name as well. I think well. his last name is Knight. Yeah, uh, Dan Knight. Yeah, Dustin Knight. Dustin Knight. Yeah. Um, and sorry, I don't think you're that good of a pitcher. If 
people know you for backflips <laughs> instead of a uh, pitch. Be but, a hell of a close. Yeah, it'd be great, but he's not going to be a closer. <laughs> if he can come and teach Hunter Harvey how to do that or uh, Tanner Scott or someone that's going to close a game, then it's impressive. It's way better than shooting an arrow into the sky. All right, Paul, the bat around every Saturday. Yeah, the bat around, uh, we stream live every Saturday um, from 10 a.m. to noon on Facebook.com slash Sports and on PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. You can then listen to the show. About a half an hour after the show ends, it's uploaded onto SoundCloud, so you can listen to it there. Uh, this week we have... Uh, Jeff Arnold coming on uh, from Orioles uh, Radio, and we also have Steve Molesky from Madison Sports coming on. Uh, he'll be on at 10.50. Jeff will be on at 11.35. And every week we have Stan the Fan Charles for a 10.20 segment. All right. And, Cody, you are the only one up here that does a podcast all by himself talking about the Orioles. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as soon as I get some decent content, then I'll have something to talk about. So other than that, I think I'm just going <laughs> to – I think I'm just going to take a shot at maybe my uh, my best guess at the at the uh, Orioles opening day roster, uh, just to kind of get something in place, see how close I am, how many of the 26 guys that that I think are going to be on that opening day roster actually make it through spring training or their April one. So uh, we'll see how that goes. All right, and I am on section 336, but really all my focus right now is on Birdland tonight. So make sure you're following Birdland Sports on all your sites, setting up the notifications so you know when we go live and you get that reminder after every Orioles game this season. And like I mentioned earlier, check out the podcast as well. I probably didn't mention it. That was pre-show. Check out the podcast in your favorite podcast app in case you're too old to stay up late after Orioles games and watch us. You can listen the next morning as well. So look for the Birdland Tonight podcast as well. And uh, all right, guys. We will talk again soon. I'm thinking Sunday and definitely next Wednesday. We'll definitely be back each Wednesday leading up to opening day. Cheers, guys. Bye, guys. See you. See you, guys. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.